Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy. God, we just thank you so much for today. God, we can just come to your house and worship your name, Jesus. We thank you that you reign over sickness, over death, over disease, over the grave, over sin, Jesus. We just thank you that you are on the throne. And so we just give you our praise in this place. We give you our worship adoration, God. So I just pray that in this space right now, Jesus, you just come to us and you just speak to our hearts. Lord, for every person that needs just your spirit in this place right now, God, I pray for comfort. I pray for wisdom. And I just pray that you just anoint my mouth as I speak on your behalf, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We love you. We pray in your mighty and holy and awesome name. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus... some praise. If you guys do not mind staying standing for just a couple of seconds, I want to read our opening passage of scripture this morning. And we're going to read a story found in the book of Acts chapter 3. And so this is actually, it's a narrative. So if you like a good story, buckle up. Acts chapter 3 verse 1, it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which was about three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, hey, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said to him, silver or gold, I do not have. I don't have what you're looking for. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him, and instantly the man's feet and his ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, he began to walk, and he went with them to the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. I want to call our message today, it's what you don't have. It's what you don't have. It's what you don't have. Come on, let's give Jesus one more round of applause. You can take a seat in this place. Come on, somebody. Anyone excited to be in church today? So good. So glad you guys chose to spend your long weekend with us. It's a beautiful weekend, so you could be camping, but instead you're glamping at church today. Uh, my name is Harrison, just so glad you guys could be here. Every person watching online as well, just love you, so glad you could be here. Uh, today is week number two in our brand new building. Come on, somebody. And so last week, man, who was here last week? Like last week was a parte, and what we said last week was that uh, one week of celebration was not enough for uh, just the miracle that God has been doing in this place. And so we said that last week kicked off a month-long celebration. And so we're celebrating all month, and it's all coming together September 25th, which is our, we're calling it our grand opening, slash, don't forget the slash, four-year anniversary of Kingdom Church. Like three people are marginally excited. Um, 
it's gonna be good. We're gonna have like a food truck, maybe scoop and roll again, maybe some donuts. We'll see what we land on. It's gonna be amazing. And so, hey, anyways, so glad you could be here and that's what's coming next. We're excited for that. Uh, We've been, as a church, kind of in a crazy season, not knowing what's next. I talked about it last week. And so one of the things, because this season's kind of been up and down, is that uh, the schedule for preaching has kind of been all over the place. One thing uh, about me, if you call Kingdom Church home, you'll know I kind of like to preach in series. And what a series is, is a collection of talks and messages that kind of go together. Um, but for the last like six weeks, I've been doing the one-off messages just because our schedule is so crazy. Um, our schedule's been so crazy actually that last week, um, Sydney was supposed to preach and uh, didn't happen. She didn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. She knew if a church opened on that date, she was gonna get bumped. And so she's getting bumped to two weeks. So in two weeks, Sydney is going to be preaching on this stage, and uh, it's going to be amazing. She's uh, never preached before, but I just know she's going to blow the lid off this place. So that's in two weeks. If you're a big uh, fan of Sydney, you're going to want to be there for that. Um, but kind of what I'm saying, though, is including Sydney, a whole bunch of one-off messages we've been preaching, and today I have another one-off message. Next Sunday is Vision Sunday, where I'm going to set the vision for this next year, which I'm excited about. But I want to just kind of talk about God because I think God's really cool how he does things because I don't necessarily like to do one-off messages, but what I found in this season is that um, the messages have been so helpful for me, just even me personally, like chase the cloud, uh, helpful for me, right? Like I'm just a worker, helpful for me. Last week's message, just ask the stone, helpful for me. And so um, I hope it's been helpful for you but it's been really helpful for me. But a general rule of thumb generally is like, um, if something helps you, it's probably gonna help someone else as well. And so uh, anyways, today, um, I believe that the Lord has another message for us that I hope is gonna be helpful in your life, in this season, whatever uh, that God has for you. So we're gonna be in the book of Acts chapter three, which was the passage of scripture I just read. And um, I kinda wanna, as I teased by the title today, I want to share, um, I think an encouraging message is gonna show us how God works sometimes. And what we're gonna see is that a lot of times God works contrary to how we think he's gonna work. Um, one of the things that you guys have probably heard before, and it's, it's good advice, so don't misunderstand me, but you guys have probably heard, um, like, be thankful for what you have. You guys heard that before? Just be thankful for what you have, be grateful for what you have. And again, that's good advice. I'd encourage you to continue to follow that advice. But kind of what I want to do today is I want to take it a different direction because I think that um, although be grateful for what you have is good advice, what I find is that a lot of times God doesn't necessarily work with what I have. Many times God works with what I don't have. And a lot of times the greatest things that God wants to do will become, uh, will come as a result of the deficits that we face in our lives. And what I mean by that is that sometimes it's the gaps that God wants to work in to show his greatness. It's a lot of times what I don't have. Sometimes, you can write it like this, the greatest gifts that God gives us are the things that he doesn't. So I have a central theme uh, for the message today. I heard it and I just wanted to share it with us. It doesn't come from me, but I think it's so true. Um, so our central kind of guiding thing today is this. God often guides by what he doesn't provide. God often guides by what he doesn't provide. 
Now, you may not like that because you're like, I just want him to provide everything that I asked for. Uh, but what you're going to see in this story today is that God often guides by what he doesn't provide, meaning sometimes the greatest ways in which God wants to grow us comes from our largest gaps. Can I teach today? All right, so we're going to be in the book of Acts, and this is a book found in the New Testament. And really, uh, the book of Acts, it's right after the Gospels, and it is the story of the early church. And the whole book is narrative, just describing what happened after Jesus left, how the church grew, how it was led, all these amazing things. And so that's where we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 3. And uh, again, we're going to read through it, and I'm kind of just going to pick some things out of it, and I'm going to show us, again, that God often works um, by what he doesn't provide. So uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1, again, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which was 3 in the afternoon. Now there was a man who was lame, meaning he couldn't walk, not that he wasn't cool, from birth, who was being carried to the temple called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, I'm going to set up this picture so we understand what's going on. Peter and John, uh, they were disciples of Jesus, and they were going up to the Jewish temple at the time of prayer. Now, in the book of Acts, most of the time that they are hanging out with the Jewish people, it is not because necessarily they want to go there for worship or prayer. Many times, like those are good things, but most of the times you will see they were opportunities to share Jesus to the Jewish people. And what we're going to see as they get to this place, there is a man who is lame from birth, sitting at the gate. Now, the reason he would do this is, is kind of twofold. So this man, um, what we learn from the book of Acts is that he was not able to walk. He was lame for his entire life. He was born this way. He has never walked once. And we learn that he's over 40 years old. So he's lived a long life. He's never walked. And it says each and every day he was brought to the temple gate and he literally just begged for money. Now, the reason he would go there is because two things. Number one, this gate was called beautiful. And so, like, it was literally a beautiful gate that he sat under. But number two, it was a temple. And so for his, this man, he's thinking to himself, um, what better way or better place for people to be generous, hopefully, than the place where they're going to worship, right? So if they're going to go worship and, and talk to God, hopefully they'll give us or me a couple of bucks. And so it says each and every day, this is important. It says each and every day. It wasn't a one-time thing. Each and every day he was brought there and he begged. Now, what we can deduce, it doesn't tell us, but we can deduce this. The reason he came back each and every day, more than likely, was because people actually gave him money. Right? You probably would not come back each and every day if people weren't giving you something. And so he was moderately successful in the sense that he would go there each and every day and people would give him money. But what we see, though, and what I want to bring out is a dichotomy. The dichotomy is this. Each and every day people gave him money, seemingly enough to survive, yet he never got enough where he didn't have to come back the next day. I want us to understand this. He got what he wanted each and every day, but he never got what he needed in order to not come back every single day and beg for more. I want us to lean in for a second, church, because I think this man is a picture of our lives many times. How many guys have ever been to a place where maybe you feel like you have everything that you want, but you're not actually getting what you need? Anyone ever been there? Where it's like day in and day out, it's the same routine, same friends, same places. Everyone on the outside would think that I have all that I want, 
yet I never actually get what I need. What does this look like? You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever been there before? What does it look like? It looks like this. It looks like this, 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 these periods and times in my life where I might be surrounded by people. I might be surrounded by friends and family, but no matter how surrounded I am, I'm never satisfied. It's that time, that place, and that season where I have a great job, I'm making good money, I have solid income, yet there's just, there's something in my life. There's just something that I'm missing. It looks like I have everything, but sometimes, listen to this church, it's about what you don't have. It's about what you don't have. You see, the truth is this, if you have a whole bunch of things, be it money, be it popularity, be it friends, be it a relationship, if you have all of these things but you never have what you need, you'll be in deficit. And the deficit won't make sense to the people around you because you will look from the outside at least like you have everything going for you. What could they possibly be missing? But what if, listen to this, what if the gaps in our lives are supposed to point us to a God that wants to fill the gap? What if the gap in my life was supposed to point me to the God that wants to fill the gap? And so what I want us to understand, we're gonna see it in this story, is that God is often trying to provide us something that we don't have. The God that we serve wants to give us not what we have, but what we don't have. So this man is begging. It says in Acts chapter three, verse three, it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Now, I want us to not just blow by this exchange because it's powerful. You see, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and by trade, he was a doctor, uh, kind of a man of detail. And so when he enters details into his text, um, they're supposed to be there for us to notice. And what it says is that Peter and John, when they saw the man after he asked them for money, they looked straight at him. This is important, I don't, I don't wanna blow by it, but what they were doing is that they were giving this man respect. This is important because for a person that was begging for money, he was someone that society would look, lowly, uh, look down upon. He was lowly in the eyes of most people. But when Peter and John see him and they ask for money, because most people would literally just put a couple bucks in his hand, not look him in the eye and walk right by. But the Bible says very specifically that they looked at him and they gave him something that many people would not. What did they give him? They gave him dignity. They gave him respect. They gave him love. Now, the reason I want to point this out is because we read this story. We know how the story goes. But what I want us to understand is that even before this man gets the miracle, He's already gotten something he didn't have, which was respect and dignity and love. And I want to point this out because I think for those of us in the room that call themselves followers of Jesus, there's an important point we need to see here. And it's pretty simply this. We can't love, we can't help, we can't serve the people that we don't see. I'm going to say it again. We can't serve people we don't see. And that sounds kind of like, of course. But the truth is, how many of us walk through our lives, be it at work, at school, on the road, how many of us are walking on cruise control where we see a whole bunch of people but we're never actually looking at them? And I just wonder how our lives would change if we could begin to see people, to actually see people, 
Because you need to understand this. Everyone is missing something. Everyone has a deficit. Everyone has a gap. But the truth is, if we only look at people on the surface, we'll never see what their issues are beneath. What that means is this. If I'm only looking at the people at my job saying, well, I know how much they make. They make the same as me. So they must be okay. Well, I, I know what, what this guy's up to. Like, he's got like so many friends. He must be okay. If we stay on the surface, if we never begin to actually look at people, we'll never begin to understand what people actually need. But the truth is, breakthrough isn't on the surface, it's deeper. And so when Peter and John are looking at this man, Luke wants us to understand as he's writing this is that they saw something that other people didn't. They saw a deeper need. And I just wonder if there are people in our life right now that have a deeper need and you are the answer to the thing that they're looking for. I heard a story this week. Um, have you guys ever heard of Rick Warren before? He's a, he's a pastor um, of, of a large church, one of the largest in America, but his kind of call to fame is he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It sold like millions of copies. And uh, he, he's someone by all accounts to be kind of successful. And I watched this clip this week and he said, um, it was an interview and it was a clip. So I, I don't know the full context, but what he said in the clip stuck out to me. I thought it was so interesting. He said, you know, for me, he said, you want to know what hell would be for me? He said, hell for me would be if God showed me all that he could do through my life if I just had more faith. He said, that would be hell. And I'm like, this guy's like saying that? Like he's got a humongous church and like a huge book. And like he says, hell for me would be God showing me all that I could do in my life if I just had faith. And when I saw that, I just began to wonder, man, what could our lives look like if we just believed? Listen to this. If we just began to realize there are people in our lives that God has ordainedly placed that we're just not looking at. We just don't see them. And the truth is, I said it once, I'm going to say it again. We can't love, serve, or help the people that we don't see. And so it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Listen to this, when we overlook people, we are overlooking someone that God actually wants to do a miraculous thing in. Many times we are the cap on the ceiling for the things that God wants to do. So it continues, they look at the man and Peter said, look at us, another dignifying moment, right? Because they're looking at him, but he's looking down in shame. Peter says, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, again, this is interesting because this man already in this exchange is getting more than he usually got. This is more than he usually got on an occasional day, on, on a normal day where he'd come every single day. He's already gotten more, but we're gonna see the heart of God is that God wants to give us actually more. So it continues, Peter says to him, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Now, I kind of want to point this out. You might care, might not. I thought it was interesting. But Luke, as I said, who wrote this, um, he was a doctor. And so um, the words that he uses here to describe the miracle are found nowhere else in the New Testament. They're all unique words. And um, if you don't know, Greek is a dead language, at least biblical Greek, I should say. And so um, 
the reason commentators say that this word was nowhere else was because Luke was using medical terms. That like the average dude, like Paul, like he wouldn't know what that means, right? And so he literally was saying like he's describing what is happening to this man where like his bones and his joints are literally coming back together in front of their eyes, which is crazy. Because a lot of times like we think like it just happened and like he stood up, but like literally they could see the joints like moving. The miracle was in motion. And it says he went up walking and jumping and praising God. What a story. And so what I want to point out is this. This lame man went to the temple like he did every single day looking for money, looking for something to just get him to the next day. But what we see in this story is the heart of Jesus. He went there looking for money. What did he get instead? He got dignity. He got respect. He got love. And more than anything, he got healing. And hopefully, by the fact that he was praising God, he got salvation. You see, here's the point I want us to understand. God always wants more for us. God always wants more for us. I want you to understand something. Everything in your life that you think you want, God wants more. Whatever your plans are, whatever your hopes are, whatever your dreams are, God wants more. Now, I don't want anyone to be confused here. Some of us are saying, okay, like I got big financial dreams. Like God wants me to have another zero on the end of that? Come on, somebody. I want us to, for a second, pull back because I want us to understand what it means when I say God wants more. Let's just think for a moment when the man, because like he got the respect, which was good, but he also wanted money. What's the first thing that Peter says? I don't have any. Silver and gold I do not have. So let's forget the miracle, just remember the first part for a second. Essentially what the man is saying, is like, hey, I want money. Peter's like, I don't got it. You want to know what's interesting? Because we know the heart of God that God wants more. But what's funny is that the way in which God gets to more in our lives many times is by saying no to what we think that we want. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Is, is sometimes when we are praying for things, wanting things, believing for things, sometimes the way in which God answers our prayers is by rejecting them. I want you to write that down because it's going to help you. Sometimes the way God answers your prayers is by rejecting your prayers. Why? Because oftentimes God's no's are leading to a bigger yes. When God says no, it's usually leading to a bigger yes. You see, a lot of us have given up on God because we have a picture of like, he doesn't want what's best for me. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about me relationally, financially, whatever it may be. But what we understand is that God's heart is more. He wants more for you. But sometimes the way in which he gets there is by not giving you what you think that you want. And we don't always like that because I want to get more by my way and everything I want. I was thinking, and it kind of just reminded me of um, just the way that God has worked in my life so many times. And again, I always say faith looks clearer in reverse. Meaning when I look backwards, I get more clarity than in the moment. And one of the things, like I have uh, then, and I still have just a big belief that God is going to use Kingdom Church to do amazing things. I just believe that we're going to make a huge impact in this city. And I believe that, man, we're just getting started. 
And when we started the church, that's always been the vision, uh, to, to love people, to reach people. And I remember um, our very first service, like I knew that there was going to be lots of people coming out because it's like a grand opening and that always gets people. Um, I had no clue like how many people would come out. And like some of you guys were there, some of you weren't, but we kind of lost count. We didn't really have any good systems in place to count anyways. And um, our best guess, there was like over like 200 people, right? Which is like from my basement of 20, we went like 10X to like 200. And it was crazy. Um, and like in my heart, for me, I want to reach people, but I also have an ego. And so I would love to be like, man, I started in my basement and then I began to pastor a church of 250 people because I'm the man. And um, I, like, would pray and, you know, ask God, like, hey, God, help us to reach people, help our church to grow, so on and so forth. And what's funny, though, is that, um, at least in my eyes, God wasn't answering the prayers. Because from that, like, 250, we didn't go up. We went down. And it wasn't like a, like a sharp down, but it was kind of a gradual down. And I remember, like, in the summertime, um, Six months after we started our church or so, um, there was weeks, there was like 35 to 40 people. And um, in my head, it's kind of like, man, like, what's God doing? Like, is, is God not working? Am I a failure? So on and so forth. But again, because faith looks clearer in a verse, one thing that I understood, and I want to share this principle with all of us because I think it's applicable not just for being a pastor. But one thing I realized that God had to show me over the last four years is that I did not have two things that I needed in order to pastor a church of 300 people. Number one, I didn't have the capacity. Like literally, I did not have the tools in place. But number two, and bigger than that, I didn't have the character. My character wasn't high enough. And you need to understand something. Out of the two, character and capacity, I probably had a higher capacity than I did character. What does that mean? It means I could do things better than who I actually was as a person. And I know there's someone sitting here today, you are very capable of doing things. But I want you to understand, if your capacity is higher than your character, your life will always end in failure. Be it moral failure, be it burnout, be it literally just acting a fool, if your character does not match your capacity, you will fail. And so my heart is to reach people. My heart is for our church to grow and expand. But what I didn't understand is that the only way that God could grow our church was that he had to grow me. Because if our church had 300 people from the start, guess what? My character couldn't handle it. And I would have failed. Some way, somehow. And so a lot of times, it's in the unanswered prayers that God is actually answering our prayers. Because God doesn't want to build something in your life that shoots up and dies. God wants you to make it to the finish line. And so maybe you've been tracking along slowly and you wish your progress was further. You wish you were better. You wish you had more. But sometimes God is answering your prayer by not giving you what you want, but what you actually need. And that's what we see in this story. God's heart was not for this man to come back another day to the well that ran dry. God wanted to give him more. And so there's someone in this place. You've been running to the same place. You've been having the same prayers. God, where are you? Listen, he wants to give you more. And so maybe that no isn't actually a no, but God is setting you up for a further and greater yes. Because he wants... more. And I just believe that God's growing you at the rate that you have the capacity for. 
Can I just speak on that for a second? Just one more time. Because I know we live in this kind of like Instagram world where we view all these people with followers and money and fame and it looks so good. But you can almost talk, especially young celebrities, what happens to all of them? They crash. Why? Because their character isn't high enough. They can't handle that weight. And so listen, maybe we're looking at people, looking at things, hoping that would get you somewhere. But listen, God wants more. God wants more. So that's just this story and the richness of scripture is that we can kind of flip perspectives, right? So from the man who was begging, God wanted to give him more. God wanted to give him more. I want to now flip this to Peter and John's perspective because I think there's also a lesson in there for us. Again, Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter and John here were the first poor pastors there ever was. No one liked that joke. They didn't have any money. Um, sometimes pastors are poor. Um, I'm blessed, but I'll just continue. It's <laughs> Nothing was going to make that joke land, apparently. <laughs> Peter and John had no money. Um, and as I was thinking about this story, what I was thinking of was what would it have looked like if Peter and John actually had money? Like what if they had 20 denaries in their pockets? What if they had a few coins? I think even though they're men of faith, the temptation whenever you have something is to just use it. Like if they had their pockets full of cash, I think, I know, I believe, like in that moment, they probably would have just given him some money. Like sure, yeah, in the name of Jesus, be blessed. Here's a fiver. But what I think is interesting in this story is that the miracle came in what they were missing. The miracle came in what they were missing. The gap gave God the margin to do the miraculous. So I, I want you to look in your life right now and ask, what kind of gap do I have? What am I missing? What do I wish I was more of? Because maybe you're sitting here, you've been constantly comparing yourself to other people. I wish I could speak better. I wish I could teach better. I wish I could sing better. I wish I was a better business person. But listen, what if the gap, what if the very thing that you were missing was the very thing and the very area that God wanted to come in and do something miraculous? Because oftentimes, gaps give God margin to do the miraculous. Does this kind of sound like last week? The Lord wasn't done with this word. Gaps give God margin to do the miraculous. And so the question is this. I want us to ask all of us in the room today, what don't I have? What am I missing? I know you've been told your whole life, just focus on what you have. But no, no, no. What don't you have? Because maybe the very thing you don't have is a setup for God wanting to do something in your life. Maybe the fact that you don't have the money that you wish you had right now is a setup for when God wants to do something so he can get the glory. Again, I just see it so much in my life. The greatest gifts that God gives me are the things that he doesn't. The greatest gifts I have to lead this church are the things I can't do. You see, when we started the church, I'm on the church train, and especially because like, you know, we're in a new season of a church, and I want you guys to understand the history of our church. But when we started the church, we didn't have a whole lot of people. And um, we started the church like literally out of my basement. We're in my basement for a couple months and then rented a building. Now we're here. Come on, somebody. And um, 
I'm called uh, what they call a church planter, like I planted a church. And uh, one of the things, like when you become a church planter, you have church planting friends. And what I found as I hung out with these other church planters was like all of them had the ability to sing and to lead worship. Like all of them. And all of them were telling me stories like, man, I would play guitar and I would sing and then I would preach and then I would die afterwards because I was so tired. And for us, like when we started the church, we literally had like one musician, <laughs> maybe two. Don't know what the plan was, but we started anyways. And man, all the time, I was just like, I wish, like I wish I could just sing. I wish I could just play. I wish I could just do it myself. But again, what I've seen is that those gaps, the things that I don't have, they give us margin for God to come in and do something better. I'm telling you, if I was able to sing and play, our worship team wouldn't be where they are right now because I'd be blocking the way for people that actually have the gifts to come on stage and use them. If I could sing, we might not have Claire. Come on, somebody. We might not have Iona. What I know for certain is we wouldn't have Amy, who's leading the charge. But it's been because of the gaps and the things that I can't do that's given way for God to bring people in. You guys may not know this, but I'm not the friendliest person in the world. I know, crazy. But our church has like, I think like the friendliest people that lead the charge. How does that happen? Well, it's the gaps. Because I can't do it, it gives God margin to bring people in. And we have amazing people in our church that smile. I try to smile sometimes. This doesn't always come naturally. Listen, I'm just gonna keep going. I wanna tell you what I don't have. I'm not that organized. I'm not that, I go by the seat of my pants. And so like, I need people that are organized and the Lord brings them. Like Megan, if you know Megan, is like my, she's my, she's like, keeps me organized. Kreja keeps me organized. Amy keeps me organized because I don't have those gifts. But the beauty is, if I was always just wor worrying and wondering, God, when are you gonna give me these things I don't have? I wouldn't leave him any room to do what he wants to do. And so, again, I want us to ask in our lives, come on, what can't you do? What don't you have? What's the area God hasn't gifted you in? What are you waiting for? Maybe it's in those gaps that God wants to do something. And maybe even this, the, the things that you can't do, maybe God wants you to laser focus now on what you can do. And you've been worrying so much about what you don't have that you've actually missed what you have. And so I want us to understand this because there's someone today been praying and waiting and asking for God to come through. Listen, maybe it's not that God isn't faithful. Maybe this God is so faithful that he's not gonna answer the prayer you, the way you want him to answer your prayer. And so Paul, I'm gonna wrap up on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Speaking on this whole thing, this whole idea of what I have and what I wish I had. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. And so what's happening here is there's something in Paul's life that he doesn't want to be there, right? Maybe it's a sickness, an affliction. He says three times I begged and I pleaded. I said, God, take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I'm a boast about what I don't have. Because in my weakness, Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Listen to this church. Paul says, I'm actually strongest when I lean in to what I don't have. I'm strongest when I don't get what I want. And so listen, maybe you're in a season right now and I just believe there's someone, God has a great calling in your life. But you're saying to yourself, Harrison, I don't have peace right now. I don't have security right now. I don't have what I want right now. Listen, you may not have what you want right now, but what if that's exactly the place God wanted you to be in? Because what if it was never about you? It was never about your mental frame of mind. It was about God's power working best in your weakness. What if God wanted to use your brokenness? I talked to so many people like, Harrison, I'm having an off season right now. Um, I'm gonna serve in four to five months. What if in the off season, that's when God wanted to really do something in your life? What, what if when everything is going well, you don't have the capacity to give God the praise? And so sometimes God has to strip some things away to show you what he really wants to do. Listen, again, from Rick Warren, he said, hell would be God showing me all that he wanted to do through me if I only had the faith. So listen, in this place today, God wants to work something through you. And the only thing that's holding him back is the things that you thought that you needed. But it's never been about what you needed. It's always about what you don't have. Because in those gaps, that's when God has the margin to do the miraculous. Can we stand for a second, church? So listen, if you're in this place today, and you're just like, man, Harrison, I've been just so worried, so focused, and all that I'm missing, all that I don't have. I might have missed what God wants me to do or what God wants to do through me, guess what? Today is the day. This is the moment where everything can change. And so right now, I wanna do two things. Number one, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this place and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity. Maybe you've never heard that God's heart for you is more. Maybe you've never heard that God wants good things in your life, that he died for your sins that he reigns over everything, over shame, over fear, over anxiety. If you've never made the decision, I wanna give you the opportunity to just say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus today. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you wanna just give your life to Jesus, can you just raise your hand here in this place this morning and say, I wanna follow Jesus, thank you, thank you. Now, if you're in this place, you're saying, Harrison, I just, I wanna have the faith to believe that God wants to work in my gaps. I need some faith. Can I just pray for you this morning? Could you just open up your hands in a posture of receiving? Jesus, I just thank you for what you're doing, for the lives that you are changing. And God, I just pray right now that every person in this room may receive a portion of your spirit, God. I just pray, God, that you begin to work in our gaps, that you do what only you can do, that you make a way where there is no way and that you give us not what we want, Lord, but what we actually need. God, I just thank you for the gaps in my life and how you've used them and God, how you're still turning things around today. 
Jesus, for every heart in this place, every decision that's made for you, God, we just thank you and give you great, we give you praise and honor and glory. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty, holy, awesome name. Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you're encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.